0: This episode of Beyond is brought to you by forhims.com, F-O-R-H-I-M S.com. Do not underestimate the power of PlayStation. PlayStation.
1: Beyond. 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 Beyond, and hello everyone. My name is Jonathan Dormish. I am your host for this episode of Beyond, episode 563. I am joined this week by Tina Amini. Hello. Brian Altana. What's up? And Alex Osborne. Hey. A face you may not recognize, but a name you should if you read IGN. Uh, Alex has been a freelance writer for us. How long have you been writing for IGN?
2: A little over three and a half years. So. That's a
1: long time. And now uh, you're not just here as a writer of ours. You are officially part of the IGN team. You are our our homepage editor. So if you're wondering what's going on on the homepage, that's all Alex's fault. You can always blame him yep. for why the story you love isn't number one on the page. <laughs> uh, but if it's if you want it to be number one, keep clicking on it and Alex will put it there.
3: Is that the trick? You just keep refreshing Yeah,
1: it? you keep refreshing. Mm-hmm.
3: I didn't know we had that power.
1: Yeah, so Alex, oh, uh, Alex, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you coming from? So
2: I'm coming from L.A. I was in L.A. for a year, moved out here um, after being on the East Coast. So I'm actually from Rhode Island originally. Oh, cool.
1: Nice. Yeah. And uh, what, so people get a sense of the games you love, the entertainment you love. I know you're a big anime fan.
2: Yep. Uh, yeah. So, so in addition like? to seeing my name for news and stuff the past few years, I've been doing a lot of anime reviews, My hair Academia reviews, um, some movie reviews. And, um, yeah, so anime is kind of my bread and butter right now. It's kind of like an RPG without all the grinding, so I really like that. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, and just news and that sort of
1: stuff. So That, that is a great tagline for anime. I didn't yeah. think, like, the genre as a whole, the animation form, needed that, but that works really well. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Uh, we're super excited to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show. You said you've been listening to IGN Podcasts before for a this?
2: very long time, yeah.
1: Well, now you got to make a uh, monstrosity of an episode with us, because mm-hmm. we're going to just jump right into the <laughs> Let's episode. Let's do it. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about this week uh, in the world of PlayStation, and just gaming in general, there's a lot going on right now, obviously, with the crazy fall season. We're first going to go into the idea that you may have encountered a possible not great message on your PlayStation 4 recently. Uh, a lot of PlayStation 4 users have been hit with this malicious message exploit, and essentially a lot of people have been getting a message that has sort of a... It has a word, an emoji, and a string of random characters associated with it. And it's causing people's systems to kind of go haywire. Initially, people were saying their systems were being bricked. However, PlayStation sort of commented as people were addressing the issue and said, uh, specifically from the Ask PlayStation UK account, PlayStation said, we've fixed this issue. This was a few days after people started reporting it. And it wasn't bricking consoles, just sending them into a crash loop that can be quickly fixed in under five minutes delete the message on the PS mobile app, go into safe mode, use option five, whatever the option that may be, and the console will go back to normal.
3: What is safe mode? There's a safe mode on PS4?
1: Yeah, so uh, there's the real news. I had had no idea. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of settings. So, like, as first, a general thing, which I forget to do a lot, is like take the precautions that your system gives you Mm -hmm. uh, when you first get it. It's like an easy thing to ignore. I haven't put two factor authentication on half my accounts until like a year in.
4: Right. But it's always like better be on all your IGN accounts.
1: They are, I promise. (laughs) Let me go check that real quick. It's like, obviously, this seems to be a pretty consistent thing that happens in the holiday seasons. We see a lot of hacks to like PSN and all these things. But this is a message exploit. Just getting the message and having it appear in your system, it causes this crazy crash loop. Yep. Um,
4: and Which is better than it bricking the system, but just as terrifying for people who have no idea what that yeah, actually
3: was. it's happening. slightly better than the worst thing that could happen to yeah, your system. Yeah, slightly better. But still not the best. Hey, it's recoverable,
4: <laughs> and you don't have to send it in, so that's pretty that's cool. That's much better, yeah. yeah.
3: I, that gives me like nightmares of the old Xbox 360 days of them mailing you that coffin.
4: Oh,
1: for the you red having ring? To send, yeah, yeah, for the yeah. red
3: ring. That was... Those are dark times.
1: It's it's a pretty crazy thing. And luckily, PlayStation has uh, mentioned, as we said in the comment, that they are working on a fix for it. Uh, they are looking into, I think, a software update as well to officially get rid of this bug because it may be hitting people. But obviously, if you haven't gotten this message yet, just in case, make sure all of your privacy settings are correct. Make sure only friends or even no one, don't let anyone talk to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, c- only your friends can send you messages. It is... Maybe the hacker is your friend.
3: Yeah. Oh, no. Maybe it's you.
1: <gasps> the hack was coming from inside us all along. <laughs> uh, it is that weird thing of, I feel Feel like as our systems continue to be more online, more interconnected with each other, like this can be more and more of a problem. It's really important to take those precautions. Do we hope that? Do you guys think we'll see more from Sony in the future to protect your systems, especially with like PS Five and these name changes, which we'll get into a bit, and all the ways that PSN is changing? Yeah. What would you so. hope to see from them, if anything specific?
4: Well, I mean, it's interesting because this was sort of a very simple hack, if yeah. you can even call it that. Um, and so you, it's it's hard to predict, like when someone can come up with an exploit that's as simple um, and destructive as this. So I imagine it's going to be a kind of work in progress. I don't know if I have like expectations for safeguards against that mm-hmm. right out of the bat.
3: I mean, historically, uh, a company even saying, you know, we're going through extra lengths to make sure is, is almost seen as a challenge to hackers. I, I remember like with the uh, notoriously the Dreamcast, they were like, oh, hackers would never hack it. And they hacked it on the first day. Uh, so people will find a way no matter what. But I'm... I'm glad that cat and mouse game keeps going because it means that ultimately things keep getting safer. But I think with so much infrastructure being built, as we'll talk about with the name change thing, on old ideas that Sony had, you know, sometimes dec- a decade ago, uh, we w- probably won't see a lot of this stuff change until the next PlayStation comes out. Um, for now, we're probably stuck with whatever infrastructure is there, which is kind of scary.
1: Yeah. It's but- like
4: around fixes. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's one of those things where before every Christmas, like I remind myself, make sure just all your accounts are put Mm. on private or they're secure because Mm. people really tend to hit around the holidays when people are getting new systems. So Uh, cruel. Yeah, it's, it sucks for the <laughs> kids just opening their PS4 and here's all the things mm-hmm. that are going to go wrong with it. Uh, interestingly, the as we're recording right now, PSN is also dealing with some outages sort of across all of the services, whether it's related to this hack or them trying to fix it and put stuff sort of in the back end to fix it. Uh, they haven't said, but they're working on it. And just right before we came in, things were updating and back online and being secure. So mm-hmm. it's nice to see them addressing whatever problem that may be, but also these problems so quickly and so readily when we saw a lot of users on Reddit, especially... Um, pointing to these problems
3: right or you look at last gen where psn was down for you know what felt like months at a time i think it was weeks or maybe days there was that
1: great psn outage. yeah, yeah. it
3: was there was a there was a while where we had an article on ign that said is psn down
1: And mm-hmm. it just said uh yes <laughs> I think we have that as a wiki page now for both Xbox Live and PSN. Oh, that's Just awesome. Like, are these systems online? Yes, yep. they are. It's yep. okay. Uh, but immediately you'll always see our traffic spike whenever there's an issue. It's very weird. Yeah. Um, thankfully, PlayStation looks to be resolving this issue. It's nice that they've jumped on it so quickly, and I think it's a sign that they're going to continue, as we see a lot of changes to the PSN updates toward the end of the life cycle and a new life cycle kick in, it's nice to see them actually making all these changes and upping their security. Um, if you're... Able to play your PSN, you're not having any issues. Chances are you may have already played Spider Man or you are getting ready to play the Spider Man DLC. Uh, shockingly, we have some more sales figures about Spider Man. It sold well. What? Right. You, I know, right? It's, it's quite the surprise. Uh, it was the number one downloaded game on the PSN for September. We previously learned that it sold 3.3 million copies in its first three days, which mm-hmm. was the fastest selling PlayStation exclusive of all time. And luckily, we don't have to wait that much longer for new content. The first part of the three-pack of DLC, The City That Never Sleeps, is coming out on October 23rd, and we saw the first new suits they're going to be three suits in this package Uh, I want to know what you all think of these suits they're the Scarlet Spider suit number two or Scarlet Spider two uh, a brand new suit which was created by a Marvel artist named Gabrielle Delato. and then there is also the Spider UK suit which is from the Spider-Verse collection Uh, so what do you all think of these suits first off just how they look
4: they look glossy yeah
3: (laughs) (laughs) they do Um, I like I hate to say this I, th- this game peaked with the, the sort of cell shaded animated, you know, Spider-Man costume. And I, I, never took that off once I got that. It was just so fantastic. I'm glad they keep adding more cause that's really cool. But uh, it, I, I, I just want to say right now, none of them will ever be better than that. one That's <laughs> the best one.
4: I'm honestly like a classic Spidey look person. And yeah. I think that's just because I'm a traditionalist. Um, and it's cool because I'm, I'm sure we've talked about this a thousand times, you know, on, on here and on, and on the site. But um, we you can just match any kind of abilities to any of the suits. So it really is a purely aesthetic thing. Yeah. So I like to just like remain classic or, you know, go full on like naked Spidey. Why not?
1: Mm-hmm. Just in the underwear. Alex, did you yeah. play Spider-Man?
2: I still haven't yet. I know. Alex. I've been what playing the moving game and oh, yeah. just yeah. adjusting to a new job. So mm-hmm. what do you, I have what, a lot of catching up to do.
1: What would you give moving out of 10?
2: <laughs> i give it a zero <laughs> out of 10. Zero Ooh out of 10, 10 sounds
4: yeah, about right. Man. Too many
2: loot boxes.
1: <laughs> uh, we'll look forward to the DLC on that one. Uh, but in addition to the three suits, the Spider-Man, the heist DLC, it opens with an art museum robbery that mixes up Spider-Man and Mary Jane with Black Cat. The DLC will include new story missions, crimes, challenges, trophies, thank God, and a new enemy faction, Uh Uh, There was also a little bit of discrepancy with whether New Game Plus was coming out uh, the day you're listening to this episode, October 17th, if you're listening the day this comes out. Uh, Originally, in the European version of the PlayStation blog, it said New Game Plus was coming out October 17th. That has since been removed, and Insomniac is just saying coming soon. Oh, interesting.
2: Yeah, I wonder why. If the initial plan was for tomorrow, and then maybe it changed, and they just never updated the post. Right. Um, But I guess we'll find out. Actually,
3: I like the way the game handled... End gamey stuff yes. as is because it did give you a, a sort of nudge to go back into the world and collect stuff, which I liked. I, I thought it was at your, there, pace, yeah, at your
4: own pace. At your own pace, yeah.
3: It gave you that warning before the last mission that was like, this is it, no turning back, and then you finish the game and you go back and there's stuff to do, so I love that.
1: Uh, if the New Game Plus details are true, uh, that were originally in the European blog, it said it will include a New Game Plus, which has ultimate difficulty level, so a brand new harder difficulty.
3: That rules. Uh,
1: it will also have... Uh, It'll have all the story and activities that you're used to in the open world again. You'll have all your unlocked suits, skills, gadgets, mods, and benchmarks from the beginning. Uh, you'll also be able to unlock those final items while cleaning up your trophy list. Uh, it'll add two new trophies, one for finishing on ultimate difficulty and another for finishing a new game plus run. Mm-hmm.
3: So I, I won't spoil anything, but there's a, a sort of like narrative parameter that changes about 70% of that game that makes the world harder. You guys know what I'm yeah, talking about, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's really no way to revisit that in any way, it'd be cool if there was like a toggle for that to yes. kind of flip that back on. Yeah. trying not to be smart. No, no, I totally go. <laughs> right.
1: There were a couple late game things that I wish you could do. Like I obviously understand there are limitations, but I wish you could maybe limit, uh, you could change the time of day, but not the weather necessarily. Yes. And I realized probably some of the weather patterns were tied to different times of day. Yeah. But I wish you could kind of alternate those as well.
3: Yeah. Cause you can, you can change those post game or at least the time of day, but not weather. Um, so did we not get full month sales on? On Spider-Man yet? So
1: not yet. Uh, MPD for September hasn't come out yet as of when we're recording. Uh, We only have that first three-day sales, and we won't obviously get numbers exactly then.
3: And it's 3.3 million in three days?
1: In the first three days,
3: yeah. You know that sold more than the Wii U did in a entire life in japan <laughs> mm-hmm. it's nuts
1: yeah, yeah. It's- it
4: makes sense we've been talking about even how like that cro- that really interesting crossover between like entertainment and gaming content as far as like ign goes uh has just been such a killer for us and we've been hitting out on both ends so it makes sense to me that like those would be the impressive sale numbers
3: no i mean this is a i what i believe will be a financially successful year for spider-man related shit mm-hmm. <laughs>
4: it's <laughs> like, a pretty
1: good year
3: i mean yeah. like even even venom which like a bunch of us saw tina you and i saw it together and like we kind of walked out scratching our head but laughing at some parts of it mm-hmm. um, is a movie that's going to make a ton of money and then Into the Spider-Verse is going to make a ton of money and they put out a bunch of new comics and toys and like that's
1: kind of brand synergy I guess and it's, it's sort of working for everybody Spider-Man Far From Home is coming out next year yep. yeah mm-hmm. it's a pretty good time to be a Spider-Man
3: and he fan. was in yeah. um, Infinity War and yes. they have, yeah, they have it's a really great way of film. like weaving
4: yeah. in all of those separate um, kind of like uh, aspects of the world into yeah. like different platforms. Yeah,
3: Venom's kind of on Venom Island for now. For
4: now, yeah, but yeah.
3: I'm sure they'll bring that closer together.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious for uh, those of you who have beaten it, and Alex, when you go into it, how do you feel in general though about having DLC this close to the launch of the game? Or oh, only I, about
2: I can't wait a month and a half out. Yeah, I, can't, I think I, it's smart. Because there's already been a bit of a drop-off, mm-hmm. because it is just a single-player game, and I think the best way to, to do that is to follow it up. And we're getting another pack in November, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then another one in December. Yes. Yep. Um, and then maybe depending on how well that does, we might even see more, or they might just go start working on a sequel, but um, I think it's really smart.
3: I have a feeling we'll see like another another DLC pack next year to something maybe to, to coincide with the new film or anything like that. Mm.
1: It would seem crazy not to jump on that success if these three DLC packs do well and to not next year have that opportunity to continue yeah. the experience. Yeah, uh, no, completely agree. They're calling the three packs of DLC together, which as Alex mentioned are coming out October, November, December success successively, excuse mm-hmm. me, Uh, they're called together the city that never sleeps. So there's almost like this is a mini comic book arc yeah. to it. And so I'm very curious to see if they want to do another comic book arc. Obviously they have the full game already there
3: mm-hmm. to work I, into. I don't 100% a ton of games I did with this game. I read the sort of trophy retention rates for this game were abnormally high. Yeah. People really went for that platinum. Um, so I imagine a bunch of people are just wanting to do more stuff in this game because it's just really fun You'll see when you play it. Yeah. It's really <laughs> fun to just get around and do stuff in this game. Well, it's yeah. also
4: everything is so consistent. Like there's yeah. there's a level of familiarity with it where like most games, I jump in and I, I play after like a week of not playing, and I'm like, oh, how do you even do things? Mm-hmm. What were what was the last quest I was on? And you know what were the some of the side missions I could do? But I felt very familiar with the environment because it was just like very consistent across.
3: Yeah, it's just so it's just like moving around in that game is awesome. They mm-hmm. nailed it, and so much fun to just even like when and you know we were pretty vocal on this show and and spoiler cast and stuff about how there is some tedium to some of the side missions and some of them aren't very well designed but moving around in them is always is always fun and fluid and like i think that's that's a thing i just can't stop wanting more of
4: that's your retention rate
3: yeah there we go Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, I'm curious to see, they've talked a little bit about how these DLC packs are supposed to be fully fledged, like these are new entries in the game's world, they're gonna have you know actual story content to them, it's not just gonna be you walk over to one person, I assume, and it's like, here's seven new missions, go enjoy. Do you, th- how much though do you think they can pack into this given sort of like that qu- t- quick timetable that we're under with the game having just come out?
3: Um, I don't know, because it, it seems like, <laughs> this is a tough one to answer, right, because it's like, you would assume that uh, anything that they're putting here was stuff that they didn't keep in the main game um, but is that devious you know like i see that that sort of that reception a lot online where people see dlc and they're like oh you guys held back content and it's like well no i mean maybe that didn't fit in the narrative of the big story and then they have a they have a reason to hold on to it now or they i don't ran think out it's something time. yeah they ran out of time i don't think it's something they crunched through in the last month you know
2: Do we know where it fits in the story? If it's if this is all after the events?
1: I definitely I think the expectation is you've probably finished the game but I don't know they may find a good way to weave it in obviously without wanting to spoil it for you or for anyone who hasn't played at home there is black cat has a presence in the main game so it's not a huge surprise we've joked a bit about how the DLC initially read for this black cats back in town as if she was ever in town in the first place in the game but there you do understand that she exists in this world so they may find a way to smartly integrate it into that whole story or it may just be a little thing under the main menu that you'll be able to jump into. Luckily, we don't have to wait too long for the first pack of Spider-Man DLC. It's coming out October 23rd, as we said. You can look forward to more coverage of it as we actually get to play it. Uh, Really looking forward to that one. If, however, there's something a little bit more in the future you may be looking forward to, a bit of a nebulous timetable, but if you've made some bad choices in the past with your PSN account, good news, you can finally fix that. Uh, PSN name changes are actually finally coming after years of wishful thinking and praying to Shuhei Yoshida, and just in general, A a general hope among PlayStation fans to be able to change PSN names, PlayStation announced you're finally going to be able to do that. There will be sort of a, uh, the first one is free. I'm going to pull out the full details for it. You'll be able to change your name for the first time for free, and then it costs $10 for every change after, or if you're a PS Plus member, it will cost you $5. So first of all, uh, this has been news I think everyone's expected for a very long time. How do we all feel about that? And do you guys have embarrassing PSN names?
4: I don't think mine's embarrassing. <laughs> mine's
2: just super boring. It's just my name. So I'm safe.
4: Mm-hmm. okay Yeah. That's that's a good way to go. Um mine's a farcy word for berry. Uh so I'm fine with it. It's on everything. So mm-hmm. I like that it's consistent across the board. Yeah. I'm fine with it. I'm gonna keep it.
3: Yeah, I'm just glad this is finally happening. I saw some people being like, why would you ever need to change it? And it's like, you're a Different person in middle school oh, than yeah. you are yeah. in college. You know, it's been a while for a lot of those people who've had those n- names for a very
4: long time. There's something charming about keeping, like a, you know, a little a little piece of yourself from that. That's true. Though. That's true. Unless you're embarrassed by it, in which yeah. case,
1: i n- super n- sweet. Sora yeah. sixteen will be mine forever. Mm-hmm. That, please that, that's
4: not <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's going to be your new. One. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be my new. Yeah, I'm going to change
1: it for free. Absolutely.
3: I'm wondering where the justification for charging money comes in. That said, it's. Uh, Free for the initial one. Yes, so, yeah. Like,
1: Which is the setup for the Xbox uh, analogous version. Of yes, it. yeah. yeah. Uh,
3: and so I guess you have a chance now to make things right. So do that. And screw it up again, then <laughs> yeah. spend 5 or 10 bucks and fix it.
2: Well, and even just the information that we're getting, it makes it clear why we've been waiting for so long. And it seems like, Sony, there's no, there's no easy way to do this. Right. And it's like, how can we come up with a solution that doesn't have so many rough edges and it still has a ton of rough edges. So they've been probably trying to sand those down for years. And this is the best they've been able to come up with for so long.
1: Yeah. So in the announcement post about it, uh, obviously this news broke naturally right after we recorded the show the morning after last week. So uh, forgive us for doing a little bit of catch up, but uh, there will be a beta that'll allow some users to finally change their IDs. And then there will be a later full rollout for everyone. But the thing is you will be able to, uh, show your new ID alongside your previous idea to help your friends recognize you. But once you've decided to do that, you won't be able to switch between showing or not showing your old ID. So once you make the decision either to show it or not to show it, you won't be able to reverse that decision. Oh, wow. You got to uh, commit.
3: It's like a tattoo.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, these PSN ID changes are compatible with PS4 games originally published after April 1st, 2018, and a large majority of the most played PS4 games that were released before this date. Uh, I think the, one of the key things there is the use of PS4. Uh, that was a direct quote from the PlayStation blog, specifically PS4 games. Chances are this is not going to be really compatible with PS3 or Vita games Interesting. is the expectation. Uh, they will announce sort of a list of those games closer to the launch of this whole system. But for now, it seems like this to me is a very forward-looking mm-hmm. service and rather not one that'll change the entirety of PlayStation as it's been. Uh, and it's important to note not all games and applications from all systems are in guaranteed to work with this you may occasionally encounter errors in certain games and if you encounter an error you can switch back to your old id to show it
3: Ooh, wow yeah, yeah. so okay. how do
1: we feel about all those caveats for this uh, system
3: it sounds like people are going to be finding uh, wonderful little loopholes around this for a very long time or 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 you know sort of potholes i'd say instead yeah how um, bad do you really want to change your name yeah yeah this sounds this sounds dicey
1: Yeah, for me, I think it's very much a thing of like when the stage is set for the PlayStation 5 or whatever the successor is, this is helping so that from day one of that system, you'll be able to fix that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But how do we feel in general? I'm curious what you all think. We're seeing a lot of these PlayStation network and just PlayStation changes in general with this, with PlayStation now letting you download PS2 and PS4 games uh, offline. We're seeing them doing a beta for crossplay after keeping that stance for so long of we're not going to do this. How do we feel about all these changes coming so late in a console's life cycle?
2: I think it kind of speaks to Sony's strengths and Sony's weaknesses. Sony's always been known as hardware first. They're a hardware manufacturer where Microsoft with Windows, that's their strength. Mm -hmm. So they had that groundwork laid early on with Xbox Live when all that was launched. Sony's been sort of doing patchwork stuff ever since PSN with PS3. So, um, yeah, a lot of it, I think, is just sort of patching those mistakes and trying to um, cover up and fix what needs to be fixed and hopefully a lot of those old things from PS3 and those issues um, will no longer be an issue because all of those games are so old and, and sort of those old infrastructures will be phased out but um, it'll be interesting I'm just curious to see yeah, how much of an overhaul we will see with PlayStation 5 and whatever their new operating system
3: and network yeah, looks like I was going to say this feels like they're starting to workshop stuff for PlayStation 5 like their course correcting mistakes they've been making for a long time, mm. uh, of which there are several. But I think that like they're, this is them sort of saying like, hey, let's try this out. Let's like right now, if people are downloading games through PS Now in great numbers, that might be something they really look into for PlayStation Five. Um, if they find there's not a lot of like excitement around that, then maybe it's not a feature they'll pers- they'll like actually look for. So, um, yeah, it, we are we are ramping up to the tail end of a console generation. Slowly but surely, and we are getting new console reveals. Probably, I would say, what next year at E3, we'll hear something. And that's
2: if not at like specific events, because Sony had their own dedicated PlayStation reveal event. And I think we're seeing a lot of that stuff outside of E3 Mm -hmm. and then a game focus. So it could be as early as like pre June next year. Oh man. Because Sony really sprung it on us with. PS4. I think PS4 was
1: like a February announcement. You know, yeah. So, yeah, they did That's that New right. York event in mm-hmm. February. That's right. Yeah. Or yeah, given
4: I remember that
1: event. Given the publishing uh, cycle of the show, they'll probably announce it tomorrow morning
4: after we've recorded. <laughs> that feels like Just our love. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. But uh, So you can look forward to that news six days after. Yes. Uh, thank you all so much for joining me for the first half of the show. We're going to take a very quick break, but we will be right back.
0: We interrupt this program to bring you a brief message from HIMS, a new wellness brand for men. Here's a not-so-fun fact. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35 and by the time you start to notice hair loss it's usually too late it's generally easier to keep the hair that you have than to replace the hair that you've lost so why not do something about it 4hims.com is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness, and other stuff like that that might be embarrassing to deal with in person. Luckily, with HIMS, there's no waiting rooms, no awkward in-person doctor's visits, and you can save plenty of time by just going to a website. HIMS connects you with real doctors and gives you medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss and other possibly embarrassing problems. And this isn't snake oil, pills, or gas station counter supplements either. These are well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. If this sounds like it would help you out, order now. Our listeners get a trial month of hymns for just five bucks today, right now, while supplies last. See the website for full details, but this would cost hundreds of dollars if you went to the doctor or to a pharmacy. So just go to forhymns.com slash beyond. That's F-O-R-H-I-M S dot com slash beyond. Once again, that's forhymns.com slash beyond. Thanks for listening, and now back to the show.
4: Uh, how do <laughs> shows work? <laughs> and we're back <laughs> What happened in that intermission? <laughs> Quite a
1: lot, let me tell you uh, Beyond and hello everyone Welcome back to Beyond episode 563 You may notice if you're watching the video version You're about to hear a difference in the audio version Alex Osborne has disappeared and transformed Into our producer, Barrett Courtney hello. How are you doing, Barrett? I'm doing
5: alright, I'm really tired and I'm sleepy and everything hurts But we're going to do a show A are, second half right. of the show
1: Sounds like go. a normal day with Barrett. Uh, why do we keep letting <laughs> you on the show? Anyway, uh, we have a lot to talk about in the second half of the show. The first thing that we want to jump on is a bit of a big topic, especially with Red Dead Redemption coming out in just a couple of weeks. Uh, week and a half. Is it really that? Yeah, quick? It's a I don't. Week and I, half, half, I don't know how time works anymore. Uh, I'm shuffling. Five months ago,
5: it, it feels like just <laughs> yesterday. <laughs>
1: Uh, I'm shoving a lot of papers because there was a lot coming out of a recent interview with uh, Dan Hauser from Rockstar Games, uh, including a quote that got some clarification on it uh, shortly after the interview with Vulture came out with Dan Houser. Uh, and during that interview, Dan Hauser said, as part of the interview, we were working 100 hour weeks is one of the quotes that he had Um At some point during this year, he nebulously addressed the fact that some members of the team were working 100 hour weeks. Mm. Uh, That story came out, the interview came out. We didn't really know the context of that, how many people were working in those 100 hour weeks, what exactly. Yeah, Yeah, for how many weeks that actually lasted. Where they compensated. Yeah, what the context of all of that was. And then uh, shortly after that interview came out, uh, Rockstar and Dan Houser released a full statement, and I'll read a bit of it right now. It says, There seems to be some confusion arising from my interview with Harold Goldberg, the Vulture interview. The point I was trying to make in the article was related to how the narrative and dialogue in the game was crafted, which was mostly what we talked about, not about the different processes of the wider team. After working on the game for seven years, the senior writing team, which consists of four people, Mike Unsworth, Rupert Humphreys, Laszlo, and myself had, as we always do, three weeks of intense work when we wrapped everything up. Three weeks, not years. We have all worked together for at least 12 years now, and we feel and we feel, excuse me, sorry there's a typo here, and feel we need this to get everything finished. And so many years of getting things organized and ready on this project, we needed this to check and finalize everything. Uh, The quote continued to go on, more importantly, we obviously don't expect anyone else to work this way. Across the whole company, we have some senior people who work very hard purely because they're passionate about a project or their particular work, and we believe that passion shows in the games we release. But that additional effort is a choice, and we don't ask or expect anyone to work anything like this. Lots of other senior people work in an entirely different way and are just as productive. I'm just not one of them. No one, senior or junior, is ever forced to work hard. I believe we go to great lengths to run a business that cares about its people and to make the company a great place for them to work. Uh, so a larger discussion kind of came out of this quote and the original interview about the nature of crunch in the industry, which uh, the right. use of the term crunch, for those who may not know, is just a shorthand for the idea that toward the end of del- development on a lot of games, developers often have to work extremely long hours, right. weekends, a lot of overtime for things uh, to get those games done by the time limits that have been set up by release dates and by companies and everything.
5: And there's been a lot of talk about this this year, uh, specifically with that and unionization, so comp- and this isn't just like a Rockstar thing, this is like a general like kind of industry discussion that's been going on. Well, this...
3: Like- most notably spilled out from the Telltale layoffs right. Fallout that just happened recently. And, like, all, all
5: the personal stories that came out after that. And exactly,
3: whatnot, so. and I think that once you sort of release those people from, you know, the the infrastructure that they were kind of strapped to, right. they start to be a little more honest, and they go, like, hey, by the way, like, that sucked. Yeah. Like, we love... We're proud of our work, and we love the games, but people at Telltale were like, this was unreasonable. Mm. Um, and so I find... The follow-up quote interesting because it's effectively saying, look, we uh, we didn't mandate this. Mm. Um, only a few of us did this. But it's hard to clock that in company culture because you don't know exactly if a couple people at the top – whether or not they're saying it to other people are sort of quietly dictating it to everyone else just by their own actions. Mm. Like if all five of us or four of us all walk to a restaurant at the same time and I started going really fast, um, some of you might pick up your pace to keep up with me, right. right? And then others might drag behind. But I think most of you would be like, oh, Brian's walking fast. I guess we should all kind of walk a little fast. Maybe he thinks we need to get to the restaurant early. That's not a great metaphor, but what it's explaining <laughs> is that- It's a metaphor. Though. Depends yeah, on what
1: restaurant we're going Exactly, do.
3: exactly. <laughs> uh, in and out. And what it, what it says, is that in some scenarios without actually dictating this is what everyone in this company needs to do. Mm. Company culture sort of exudes this 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 thing where you find this weird line between uh, work and and passion and yeah. um, this shared goal where you're all working together on one similar project. And then when you come for air, you go, "Oh, uh, I've only showered once in three days, and I haven't seen my kids." And yeah. you know, a hundred-hour week that if you you know subtract the amount of times I'm sleeping and and eating and everything like that, that means I have about an hour to my Self a day, maybe, and I'm spending that brushing my teeth.
4: Yeah, you know. Well, so there's on a the lot. <laughs> there's like a lot going on with with this topic. Um, yes. right. One is like managerial perception, what kind of cultural um, uh, company culture tones you're setting. The other is crunch overall. You know, it as an industry kind of problem that's that's coming more into the conversation. And that's the third part. The third part being that in general, the way that we talk about crunch, we've kind of accepted and internalized this is a problem because it used to be a badge of honor. People used to say yeah. like. I worked this many hours, you know, during do you remember, the last do you Remember Rise? Yeah. Yeah. Oh when yeah. They, like Three then, oh. Yeah. The, When when, on. when
3: Rise Excuse launched an on Xbox one yeah. um I believe it was the studio head tweeted out like, "Oh, we've ordered thousands of pizzas for late night dinners," yeah. and people were like, "That's not something to brag about." Yep. Yeah, and that
4: was one of the first instances that we've seen it on a public basis, like yeah. to that extreme degree where people said, "Well, actually, maybe that's not a great thing." Like, it's great no. that people were fed, but it's not a great thing that you like the, the process by which games are made sort of necessitates that yeah. kind of structure, and so it's it's an interesting like cultural shift that we're experiencing in that community in that industry. Uh, where people are rejecting that finally, and yep. I think um, this quote on its own, and I think it's interesting that like Dan Hauser and the team at Rockstar felt that it needed clarifying, is an indicator of that. I don't think. That, uh, I don't I don't know that necessarily he was trying to indicate it as a badge of honor I think he was trying to describe like the scope the depth of the game, which is often how crunch was used um, As it's not it's a badge of honor because you put that much work into it But it's a badge of honor because you're saying what you're trying to say is our game is gonna be great Because yeah. we put so much work and into we're it
5: deeply passionate Yeah, and
4: so yeah. it's just it just wasn't the right kind of quote for this time in 2018 Where right. people are really thinking about crunch in that kind of
5: and way. it's mm-hmm. definitely like the industry at least on the actual development Developer side is trying to heal itself like I, I know from personal like making my own YouTube videos back in the day of like bragging about doing like 16 video edit like work like hour work sections where I would like do a super big video edit it in just one sitting and my girlfriend would come home at like seven at night and she'd be like did you leave that seat at all today right. like no and then it but when you're in it you don't really notice of like oh i need to care for myself, because it is that weird, like, you get into the mentality of, like, I'm so passionate about this, this is going to be dope, oh, I just came up with this new idea, so it's hard to, like, make your, like, heal yourself when you're in the moment, and I think the industry is finally getting to, the like, like, oh, we just got out of that 16-hour edit session, let's actually, like, take care of ourselves and right, take a Right, right.
3: And like, that. you know, this is not just something that's indicative of the video game industry. This is right. office culture in general in 2018 yeah. is effectively trying to keep you in that chair as long as possible. There's catered breakfast sometimes, there's lunch, there's dinner, um, there's daycare, you know, there's maybe there's massages and stuff like that. There's all these sort of perks that eventually if you roll them into each other, like I, we live in San Francisco, this is a city rife with companies that are doing everything they can to get you to work from the second you start your day to the second you go to sleep. Right. Uh, Google, historically uh created its own basically transit line in san francisco that workers are expected to get on those buses and open their laptops and connect to the wi-fi on the bus and during their entire commute start working and that's you know 8 9 a.m well so so
4: facebook has that culture as well but like if your start time starts at like 9 a.m and you're on the bus commuting so you don't waste any time commuting isn't Mm -hmm. that better Maybe because then if I live an hour away (laughs) from the office and I spend an hour of my, I wake up an hour earlier, I spend an hour of my day just commuting and I'm not doing any work. I mean, likely I'm on my phone doing whatever amount, you know, through Slack or whatever. But if I can actually clock in from when I'm on the train. I don't know. I don't mind that person. What
3: if that hour was yours? <laughs> and you read it a is book. mine.
4: I sleep another hour. Well, okay. So, so you're saying it's the idea my is that my office is, is, you're is getting my office is fluid. Yeah, mm-hmm. you get on the bus you're... at nine, as opposed to you have to be at the office at nine. Okay. So I start working the same time. It's just I don't lose that commuting. Are
3: app. you leaving at four?
4: No, because well, I See? suppose you would leave at four, and then by the time you get home, you can clock out at five.
3: Yeah. Well. Ideally, right? Map
4: of these hypothetical buses aside. I think
1: I'm looking for the IGN bus.
3: Exactly. No, I think (laughs) I think all of this is (laughs) in an ideal scenario. (laughs) That would be. I'm totally with you. That's that's a perfect example. It can't be abused. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it can't
4: be the expectation. Well, you get an extra hour from your employees on either side. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a very delicate balance between like trying to ensure that your employees have a lot of perks so that they're more comfortable and like alleviated of those other responsibilities so that when they're at work they can focus on work I'm totally fine with that it's so that it's for the instances that they don't get abused as like well you get this and therefore you should work harder right right.
3: yeah I imagine this game is going to ship it's going to sell millions as as expected but I imagine that you know as what always happens when a project is completed a bunch of people will leave that studio to go on to do something else not because of any ill will necessarily but because they're like I'm done here let's see what else is out there and I think when that happens if there is a deep reality to all of this stuff here, a lot of these stories will come tumbling out. And I think that's what the point where people will start saying like, yeah. hey, I'm coming up for air here. I was at Rockstar for five years and this is what happened. And the same thing we saw with Telltale, right? A lot of those stories were sort of under lock and key until people said, oh, I don't have to do this anymore. Oh, okay. Well, that, that sucked. Yeah. <laughs>
1: you know? So I think the
4: difference there is that there's the managerial perception that you mentioned, um, but then there's also like the the kind of tones that you're setting. So that's a tone that you're setting, but then what you're also potentially talking about with crunch that gets um, that becomes part of the involvement is that you have to be really careful about your scheduling. So I actually asked um, a developer, an anonymous developer that I have quotes from that kind of like has been at a AAA studio so has experience with this kind of thing. And, um, exclusive. Exclusive. World uh, premiere. So uh, this person had said, when a company doesn't have leadership that prioritizes minimizing crunch or when you have a creatively driven company where the creators are left to make all the scheduling and scope decisions and or whenever you've got a AAA uh, quality and quantity content under strict deadlines such as a Sony or EA marketing strategy, that developers agreed to meet a year out, then crunch becomes pretty much inevitable. Um, And every company wants to make the best game they can, and there's no blueprint for making a game, even if it's a knockoff of an already existing concept. Creative work is uncertain and cannot be scheduled. And then on top of that, uh, you have people who are driven and passionate and also have issues where they're trying to prove themselves in a competitive industry and you inevitably get crunch. And so what he's talking about is, um, I mean, it's partly like release dates, it's partly internal deadlines and people crunching Towards those, and you really can't plan for creativity. You see yeah. it even with with <clears throat> the work that we do. Like we're scheduling features out right now for the rest of the year to right. try to be as efficient as possible. But you know, a smart producer manager requires some amount of flexibility within that scheduling to understand. Well, you know, an idea might change, or something might pop up. We might yeah. have to chase down a trend, and so these things change. It's um, also,
3: with video games, there's billions of moving parts, and exactly. you know, your main character could just constantly get stuck in the floor a week before the game <laughs> ships, and they're like, uh... Well, yeah. I
1: mean, that is the reality of any creative entertainment industry, and we see this a lot with movie and TV right. schedules of... You hear any actor who talks about production, sometimes they do have 18-hour days where they start filming at 4 a.m. and finish at 10 p.m. or They have mm-hmm. these crazy schedules and things, but I think a lot of what comes with this talk about crunch in the gaming industry is also those entertainment, other entertainment industries also have unions. a lot of unions yeah. and unionization yes. and sort of these laws protecting the people working from at least the really really negative impacts mm-hmm. of this
5: or if there is over time if, if there is something like crunch that they're still taken care of and compensated in some sort of way and, 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 and the there's big... that
1: guarantee of it yes, yeah whereas exactly. like we don't know maybe there were other people at rockstar or obviously with telltale, telltale. We've seen, but we don't know in every individual case when people are not and are being compensated fairly for that obviously right. you can tell based on the tenor of certain conversations when that is not happening mm-hmm. um and when it is more like there's the pressure to do so the which uni- is
4: why it's great that the communication is becoming a little bit more fluid and it's becoming accepted that you know this is a situation that we have to actually right. solve and we can't use as a badge of honor anymore
3: I totally agree and the unionization thing is a really interesting angle because it is something that's being talked about more and more in video games and we don't really have that and if you've been listening to shows like this for a very long time um, you've probably heard stories of like that you know that that reckoning that we had during the ps3 era where the entire effectively middle shelf of the video game industry collapsed. The yeah. THQs and all of
5: that just disappeared. And but we, hey, THQ Nordic is bringing it all back. They're, you know? they're all coming back. <laughs> but we
3: saw, we there was a while there where we were reporting layoff stories every other day at yeah. IGN constantly. And it was like, A really depressing time. And the cool thing is that, you know, in lieu of unionization, the video game industry is very adaptive and they're very sort of like protective of their own. And every time I see someone get, I saw even with the Telltale thing, a bunch of those people got snatched up immediately. Some of them were snatched up to work on the DLC on Spider Man that we we were talking about. Um, That's good to see in lieu of a system that protects them, Um, but it's not enough.
1: Yeah, we've seen this year in particular, it feels like at least since that era that you were mentioning, Brian, it does feel like there have been a lot of more studio closures or a lot of issues where we're seeing just on mass layoffs yeah. of people having to leave studios. And if there is any upside to seeing those things, it is seeing that positive reaction that the gaming industry has come together in lieu of laws to mm-hmm. be able to help each other sort of like by the group. Uh, one of the questions I have for all of you, though, is especially on the consumer side of things, obviously... People who are, want to buy Red Dead or games made by Telltale people in the future, or other, what can they do, and what responsibility, if any, do you think they have to help counteract these issues? That I, I've been
3: in I've been battling that, yeah, like personally, because yeah. like this is this is the biggest game we're covering all year here at IGN. Obviously, it's the one that tracks the most. Uh, we we you know you and I have seen like very very private previews of this game, and it's like it's. Mind blowing! Mm-hmm. It's amazing. <laughs> I can't wait to play it. Mm-hmm. It this stings like this feels icky. Yeah, you know? I don't know the best word for it. it so just... we
4: don't know the scope of it though. Like yeah, yeah like, no, no, and that's, that, that, that's
5: and that's I know. And I, you make the point of like once this project is like over and done and they're clean, if there are stories that come out about it later, maybe it's just. Maybe we play it now, but maybe we don't support them for Red Dead Online or, like, stuff like that. I don't know. Again, it is a weird situation of, like... It's between a rock and a hard place of, like, I don't know what to do and how to
3: help this. hundreds of people worked on this product for years very, very hard. And some of them maybe worked 100-hour weeks and others didn't. And do I send a message and don't buy the game and punish them for working on it? it Because it's the
5: same thing with, like, the uh, alleged David Cade stuff that was, like, going on in their offices. And there are a lot of people who are asking, like, do I support Detroit Become Human? Because, like, the people who, like, still had a bad time, possibly had a bad time in that studio, like they still put a lot of passion into it or do I uh, not buy it to send a message to that kind of weird office stuff that they, they had going on It it's a weird thing. Mm -hmm. It's not cut and clear and black and white as we want it to be.
3: I know our wikis and guides team will probably work a hundred hour week covering Red Dead Redemption. (laughs) Like that's that's just a weird reality of all this is that this is the time of year where all of us are like up earlier and, you know, home later with our laptops open thinking about stuff. Yeah. Yeah,
4: I work nights and weekends. Does that make you guys feel weird?
3: It makes me yeah. want to visit IGN.
4: <laughs> 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 but I go home to do it. Does that make a difference? Well, if you're like if you're leaving the office, yes. and you take the work home. I don't. If you don't, I, don't see I don't
3: know. I don't know, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I was, I was, I was working on a script at eight o'clock this morning because I woke up and I made coffee and I'm like, I have some ideas and I started writing it out and I don't That's know because of the
4: passion, and yeah, the it's
3: the passion and yeah. caffeine, yeah. And like, yeah. I that that doesn't mean like you guys should boycott my work. I don't, it's it's fucked up, man. Hashtag boycott Brian. <laughs> Please do that. I think
4: it's 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 a case Start by case basis and mm. I think it's really a matter of you know is someone crunching because they're they actually like derive some kind of. Um, I don't want to say pleasure, but like, you know, they, they feel success. They feel productive when they're
5: there. yeah,
4: exactly. Of not
5: of like the actual grinding, but of the work being of the work that is exactly.
4: And so, you know, for Dan Hauser, he can kick back. He doesn't need to do that. He doesn't Mm -hmm. need to be in the weeds, like looking at the writing and finishing up polishing on this game. He absolutely doesn't need to, he can delegate all of that. He has millions. He's fine. He's comfortable. I guess guess
3: this, (laughs) this, this came like a few weeks or a few days after a lot of the previews started tumbling out, which is like, Oh, the horse's testicles get smaller in the cold. And like, every part of the saddle animates individually and maybe I
4: that was Dan Hauser's doing specifically well and so well, that, yeah that was kind of <laughs> like
3: the, the, there was a running sort of joke about that on social media where people were like okay well like if, if that's what it took to get those things and maybe have people work 70 hour weeks or 60 hour weeks and the balls stay the same size the whole game <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: like I don't know. Well, and there Some is stuff to think about. There
1: is yeah. a really, and think it's frustrating. The <laughs> there is so much gray, uh, like gray area when it comes to not just whether or not this happened with Rockstar, but just endemic with the industry itself. Of as you were mentioning, Tina, the idea that people do work extra hours because they're passionate about a thing and then versus where a co- specific corporate culture can make them feel pressure to work. or worse right. a mandate yes, yes. which exactly. i think
4: was is like a very antiquated thing Yeah, um, mm-hmm. for the most part and that's yeah. why like the the cultural shift towards that conversation is important but to your point i have another quote um, Exclusive. Yeah, these are world kind of premier. fragments from a conversation, so you know, apologies if they seem a little bit disjointed from the conversation. Tina does her research. This is yeah, what I, j- yeah. I'm I try. This. I try. <laughs> um, so this quote is, I don't think people are comprehending exactly what seven years of development means regarding content and bugs and QA in an open world game with that much content. That's insane. They would need to wrap the game up one year in advance just to bug test and fix the game perpetually every day for a year to get that thing cleaned up and ready for launch. I'm just trying to illustrate how insanely complex the job is that they've put together um, which in turn implies a ton of work to be able to polish a game of that density so it's true it, you know we've seen the game in action um, I think it was about a month ago and it, it is very dense and there are a lot of details and there are meaning there are a lot of instances in which like something can break um, right. and, and kind of like ruin the experience and so it does require that level of attention and so what that means is that up to a year before a launch you need to prepare for that mm. so you need to like not set a release date prematurely mm-hmm. I mean any release most release dates that we see seem like every day they get delayed And so it's just – that's one of the things towards um, pushing towards uh, an industry that – is grappling better with crunch because it's it's too much of a necessity. It was too much of a necessity. It still continues to be. Um, I'm glad that it's part of the conversation so that people are looking towards solutions.
3: Right. And uh, if something isn't polished, we you know we're all guilty of it. We have a tendency to latch onto those things and let them define the story. We saw with that one Assassin's Creed game. It was a beautiful open world game. They worked on it for years. Unity. And, yeah. Unity. Yeah. Which I
5: really like, liked, and I didn't have any mm-hmm. of those problems. And <laughs> we're like, oh, the guy's
3: <laughs> face is invisible, or like, yeah.
5: <laughs> and everyone was like, yeah,
3: but we like we mocap like horses and like you know. We got their balls down and everything like that, and like we worked. But you pre- loved
4: it, we, everyone loves it. Our that readers was, yeah, loved it, yeah. but so we Ryan, love it. that. was like yeah. ball
1: physics,
3: you know, that, like that it's weird
1: <laughs> when, when I yeah. shrinkage ability. When I think about so. the last
3: Red Dead game, yeah. the first image that pops in my head, and this is how like crazy this is the first image when I think of the last Red Dead game is that donkey woman. You guys remember that? There was a glitch in the last Red Dead <gasps> oh, game, oh, yeah, where there was oh, a she woman was no. half.
4: She was yeah, yeah. yeah. half a <laughs>
3: She has like a, it's like she a woman walking around town child. with a donkey face. What? Yeah. And I was like. Yeah.
4: That was amazing. <laughs> that's like a charming bug. I That's a great bug. So, but I, I was before. debating this with another um, developer this morning and I was talking about, you know, Mass Effect Andromeda. Mm. What if there was no crunch in that game and then like by the end of it, you know, the conversation had totally shifted to just that game looks like garbage. The animations are terrible. Right. It looks awful. Um, and I, I, there was a lot of divisiveness in, in that, uh, you know, the reception of that game, I would say. But still, still like you know it's it's making that balance between making sure that the creative people have a reasonable amount of time to hit their deadlines where there's room for that flexibility because it's just so unpredictable when you're talking about creative mm-hmm. work.
3: Well, because the other parameters are you move the release date, which yep. means that a bunch of people don't hit their, you know, Q4 investment yep. strategy, <laughs> repercussion,
0: whatever the So those is. need to <laughs> be flexible. Yeah. And, then, and then you have producers mentors.
4: that are kind of like, you know, the bottleneck for these things. And so producers need to say, okay, well, you know, talk to an artist. Well, you know what? we really That deadline's coming up. It's just not worth it. So that, that art is just going to have to stay the Way that it is, Mm -hmm. but then there might be a giant Reddit thread where, like, look at this garbage art. Like last year's Soul Caliber, you know, art on this was so (laughs) much better than this year's.
3: Right, right. Like
4: it's it's so difficult to say because you don't want to get caught up on that one one detail. So it's it's a lot to balance. And I think ultimately what we're all trying to say is it's a very complex, nuanced conversation. Crunch is bad yeah. and quotes are hard. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Especially like
5: force mandated crunch. There are a lot of people on Twitter over the weekend talking, about, like sharing more personal stories in the industry in general. Uh, and there are like uh, some stories I read about like mandated, like working 24 hours straight uh, mm-hmm. type of crunch. And that stuff is absolutely not okay. But, you know, it again, it's a weird, like it varies. And uh, that story I think was like from 15 years ago or something. So hopefully the industry has gotten better since then.
3: Or is it better? Better to sell a janky game for 30 bucks? I mean, it worked for PUBG, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's a really fun game, but, like you know, but that's a not rough even fun. a
4: solution because no. $60 yeah. is already still not apparently paying the bills.
3: No, it's not. But I mean, if you can knock off a year or two of, of crunch and just put out some, like, uh, will gamers be more sort of like embracing of something like that? Or Again, maybe we,
4: we've set the expectation already. I mean, look, look at Reddit. It looked amazing.
3: Well, we, we were talking about like unionization in Hollywood and movies and stuff like that. And, and you know, we a bunch of us saw Venom, which mm. is very clearly a movie that needed a little more time in the edit bay. And maybe some new scenes shot, but ultimately it was ten bucks. It was like
5: a fun two hours. I just want to bring up that this is the second time you brought up this movie in this show. <laughs> Everyone yeah. really loves
4: it. Brought to you by
5: Venom. <laughs> no, um, no, because I, th- I think it's a great example of something that's like it's
3: it's <laughs> it's successful and it's popular. Uh, critically, it's kind of all over the place. Yeah. Um, but I think most people were just sort of like that was kind of messy, but you know it was a good time. But I think with video games, quality standards, especially Rockstar. I mean, like. That's that's fucking through the roof. Yeah, quality standards are really high there, so I think there's a level of expectation. So.
4: In the wider entertainment world, I also think like Marvel can kind of get away with some things. You know, like Mm -hmm. Venom is a title that can get away with being a little sloppy and still get a sequel. Other ones where it's an unfamiliar, you know, IP character, whatever you want to call it, like would not maybe get that same chance. So it's different pressures. It's just so nuanced, this conversation. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the problem is the conversation extends so far. And I think whether it's about these comments that are going on that people are debating or just other comments about other studio cultures we've heard about. On their side of things, obviously, there needs to be, there start. There needs to be a start to structures being put into place that protect the people who are working on these games. That's I think clear and evident to most people. Obviously you as the consumer can't necessarily be like, I'm going to start enacting a law, but what you can do I think is, and what we can do as journalists in this industry is to continue having this discussion. I think it's a conversation that we can't let stop Mm -hmm. just because there is a reply to one comment or because one studio has a certain statement about it. I think we need to continue having that conversation.
3: One last question for you guys. If they offered to, pay you overtime for every hour, which I don't think is like really part of this conversation at all. Is this a justifiable act?
4: If you're opting in,
3: if you're opting in, if you're opting in, yeah, yeah. then it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, maybe that's an option. Hundred-hour work weeks, but you get paid.
4: (laughs) I mean, well, you have to sign on to the hundred-hour work week. So, like, there, you know, in the the editorial world, um, people have to work weekend shifts. Not everyone likes to do that. Some people do for whatever reason. You know, they. I worked with someone whose uh, wife is is a midwife, and so she like has weird hours, hospital hours, and so like it works for him to work on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And so, and he gets like he's opted into that. Like that's fine. Yeah. Um, So it's different structures for different people. Yeah, totally agree.
1: And I think, obviously, we're ahead of Red Dead Redemption 2's release. It hasn't come out yet, and Barrett, as you were saying, who knows what the conversations will be five years after this game releases. We'll have to see at some point. Uh, Moving on, though, we can talk about a game that is actually out. You can play it. Barrett has played quite a bit of Call of Duty Black Ops 4.
5: Which is weird. Yeah. I Like, when you look at me, you're like, that guy's not a shooter guy. And I typically haven't been since the first Black Ops, and this is weirdly already... I It just came out on Friday, and I've already put about 9 to 10 hours into this game for w- the first weekend of this game being out. That's crazy for me for a shooter. Mm-hmm. Like, Fortnite was the first shooter that I got over 100 hours in since Black Ops 1. Like, back in high school, uh, my... F- One of my best friends, like, got me into, I think it was Modern Warfare, and then Black Ops came out, and we just went very, like, hard into that just because, I don't know, it was just, like, a weird high school, like, shooter, let's play this all the time kind of thing. And there was a lot of fun modes that uh, Treyarch uh, introduced in that first Black Ops. And so playing Black Ops 4, and I didn't really, like know a lot about it before the game came out. And so it was a weird nostalgic thing where I didn't even go into blackout mode at first. I just went to the regular uh, multiplayer and I was playing team deathmatch and they brought back like old black ops one and two maps. And I was like, oh my God, I remember pl- like this map alone spending like 20 hours in like a bunch of different modes and whatnot. And it was like uh jungle and summit and all that stuff. So that was really fun. And so, um, been having a lot of fun with that there are like some people on the uh, on my twitter threads who like ever since um oh what's the ubisoft game uh where it's like the uh they've had a few games for feet four, <laughs> four um where it's oh, like uh, for, honor. For, honor? for honor no not rainbow for honor. Honor. six siege we oh, yeah. yeah, like ever since <laughs> <spending for honor. laughs> uh, ever since that game came out they're like oh uh, like rayman legends <laughs> yes <laughs> Uh, Starlink
4: hey, Battlefield. Uh,
5: ever since that game came out like call of duty kind of feels like arcadey like whereas that game is like more like intended and you have to like think about every like action that you're doing and i kind of like that call of duty still has this arcadey feel especially because they've gotten rid of a lot of like the crazy movement from black ops 2 and black ops 3 so it feels a little more of like The older pace of Black Ops and then still the arcadey stuff. And even though it is like a lot of like, all right, kill someone, die, respawn, kill someone, die, respawn. There was like a weird mentality in the middle of a game I had over the weekend where I was like, oh, I need to look at my mini map. Where are my uh, where are my teammates right now? They're blocking these areas. That means that like probably two people are behind me and like three other people are over here. And that weird mentality that I've learned in Black Ops 1 like all came back and I had like a crazy like 18, uh, like uh, 18-3 match. Um,
4: I think it's eight- just like shooters.
5: I don't, though. That's the weird
1: thing. <laughs> I like think that, I think, you just, don't. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> that
4: just describes the shooter. Experience. Yeah, um, I'm so, it's so
1: weird. Do you but, think yeah. it? It sounds like you're talking a lot about the nostalgia of the maps brought you back and and definitely hooked you. But, like, what about Black Ops 4 specifically right now do you think kept you playing? Because I feel like the nostalgia would keep you playing for an hour or so, but obviously you played for 10 hours. Like, what made you want
5: I think it's still the nostalgia that brought it back. for me, and that's keeping me hooked for for now. Like I'm going in and out of blackout because uh, I wasn't a huge PUBG player. I think I played once before uh, this, and I was really into Fortnite. And so this is definitely a completely different pace from Fortnite, what I'm used to in a battle royale game. So uh, I've gotten like four or five matches where I get like second place. I haven't gotten a win yet, and it's frustrating me a lot. So I like go back into multiplayer and do team deathmatch or uh, a couple of the other modes. um, Wait, I have a
4: very important question. What's up? Have you tried the emote trick? on Blackout. I've
5: heard about <laughs> it, but I refuse to do it.
4: Oh, come on. You don't want to see what it looks like? So you can like emote and it peeks you out around the corner and you don't get shot. Yeah, so basically nice. when
5: you emote, like the the entire mode is in first person, uh, but when you emote, it takes you into a third person view so you get a like wider view so you can look around a tree and whatnot uh, to see like uh, if enemies are peeking out and stuff. And uh, I've, I've seen people talk about it on Twitter. I was like, no, I refuse to do it. I refuse <laughs> to cheat like that. Um, we won't charge <laughs> <laughs> so it's been like a interesting like figuring out blackout and like i've mainly only been playing solo uh and i i really like it but it's definitely like a i'm still trying to figure it out of like this kind of forced first person way more kind of hardcore shooter game in a battle royale uh i want to try to like play more like squads uh like stuff um, get a couple people in there and have a little more fun because that's how i did with fortnite like figuring out that was like uh my friend was over and she's like like like, oh, let's play Fortnite. And I was like, I've never played. And we got together and we got a uh, group together and we played for hours and I was like oh, I think after a couple right. hours like, I think I figured out this game where it's like just jumping into uh, Blackout solo. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing.
3: I, I played a ton <laughs> of Fortnite on my paternity leave Which I was not expecting to do at all. I just right. connected with it and was, yeah. you know, just put in like a hundred or so hours um, this really interests me because uh, first of all if like you're watching the whole battle royale thing go go down and you're not interested um Be like me and just try it. It is incredibly tense. It is genuinely some of the like, most just sort of terrifyingly tense scary moments <laughs> that you can have in a video game as the world gets smaller and there's just like you oh, and three yeah. people left on a map um, Blackout interests me because it's like it's taking away the perception you have all around you mm. and just giving you tunnel vision of first person and whereas in Fortnite you can spin the camera around and be like is anyone over there is anyone over yeah, there exactly. this is this is sort of a different scenario so. and
5: this one kind of stresses me out a little more because because Call of Duty and just the gameplay aspect of it uh, in general it is a lot of like oh if that person sees me first like I, I'm done. And mm-hmm. so kind of the frustrating thing I have with Blackout is like if someone sees me and I don't see them, like I'm, I'm screwed. There's no fighting chance. Whereas like the thing I kind of like with Fortnite more is <clears throat> if someone else sees me, I have the chance to build and mm-hmm. I there are other skills that I can adapt. If even if they see me first to kind of have a fighting chance there. Whereas this you're kind of just screwed. Um, <laughs> but yeah, i I. But that's not to say I don't like Blackout, I really like Blackout, um, I really like the multiplayer. Um, the one mode I have not gotten into yet is uh, Zombies, and that's because I like to play Zombies specifically with friends, and I have not uh, found a good friend. A friend. because
1: you don't, yeah. I, I don't have <laughs> any friends. Beat me to it.
5: Um, And so, like, just because, again, last time I played uh, Black Ops or Call of Duty, like seriously, was in high school when you know I had my core friends, and those people moved on and don't play video games anymore like real adults. Uh, so, yeah. Powered. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I want to try to find a, a couple of good people to play zombies with before I jump into that. Such but... you
3: don't work with anyone that loves video games. I know.
1: Yeah, <laughs> not many people here play them.
3: There's like four people reviewing Call of Duty alone. Mm-hmm. In I know. <laughs>
1: yeah, interestingly enough, if you haven't heard, obviously, and you're looking for Call of Duty Black Ops 4 content on IGN, we're doing a little bit of a different review sort of scheme with this game uh, because these three. Three modes are so sort of distinct from each other and right. you may really want to be playing zombies but not care at all about Blackout, for example. We have three separate reviews going mm-hmm. up for each of those and then we will have one review encapsulating all of those. Uh, the first review, which which was for zombies, was done by Dan Crowd from our AU team. Uh, Miranda Sanchez is doing the uh, traditional multiplayer review and then James Duggan will be doing the zombies review and then Miranda will then be- The Blackout review. Excuse me, Blackout <laughs> review. And then- uh, gotcha. Then we will be compiling everything, and Miranda will be doing sort of a full-focused review. Gotcha. Uh, so, yeah, taking a little bit of a different approach. Obviously, let us know how you feel about that yep. as the reviews come out. Yeah, it's and, definitely an experiment. And yeah.
5: I, de- I definitely think, like, if if you don't think Blackout's for you, but you still like Call of Duty, I think you can still pick this up and still enjoy it and whatnot. Because so, you still have traditional multiplayer and some cool-ass zombie stuff.
3: And this okay. has been known for a while, but there's no single-player campaign in this game. Right. Yes. Um, from the sales numbers we've gotten so far, it doesn't seem like that's impacting literally anybody. No. Which is just one of those things where we're like, how dare you take that away? And then <laughs> ultimately, I guess people didn't want it, so yeah. it's a bummer.
4: Yeah. yeah,
1: it had, I think, uh, the best digital download first days for this generation of yeah. Call of Duty games, so it's doing obviously pretty well there. We don't know physical results, but we'll probably have a better we'll idea of how
4: attribute it's it to... Battle Royale,
1: yeah, oh yeah, it's yeah. it's hard to deny that. Yeah. Uh, Barrett, obviously, we know you've been playing quite a bit of Call of Duty. Yeah. Uh, Tina and Brian, what have you guys been playing?
4: Um, so I'm actually still going through Spider Man, but I've put it on Ooh. hold uh, for. Um, I'm playing Assassin's Creed. Obviously. Yes, okay. same. Yes. Um, yeah, you're playing that one too. I'm still only a few hours in because I've been sick and so I haven't been able to play too much. Like so sick where I can't even play a video game. Oh, that's, cool. that's oh, yeah, fun. That's... Usually, yeah. sick yeah. is
1: the keyword for I need yeah. to play games. Come <laughs> give me a
4: hug. No. But <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I'm shockingly into it you're fine (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm shockingly into it because I I just couldn't get through Origins I played like 10 hours of that game and I heard it opens up at 15 so I guess I kind of just missed it Mm -hmm. Um, that's my heart yeah maybe (laughs) I love that game so much but that's the thing I don't want to like trudge through so much just to experience it and I really think it's just the nature of like my job my lifestyle it's just difficult for me um, Mm -hmm. to make the time for that kind of a thing where it takes that long before it opens up but I, I feel like it's it's gotten a lot of the really good aspects of Origins of like being this really beautiful ancient world mm. um, and then some cool aspects of like Black Flag yep. uh, oh, yeah. because you fairly quickly get to like jump into your ship like into your and like, like three or off four hours stuff. in yeah yeah exactly so it doesn't feel like a lot of that stuff is held back at all
3: I'm, um, so I've been I, enjoying it I was it. kind of like irked with how sort of obtuse the first few hours felt like um, they drop a lot
5: on you yeah, like, yeah it really yeah. it was uh, even they it hit you
3: with a lot of information, yeah. but also not a lot of directions. And yeah. it took me I'm still not in love with like the minimap or the way that sort of your weird thing that lines up, your compass thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and so <laughs> it it felt sort of directionless and aimless. And then I it actually took me a little while to sort of have the game start to click a little bit. It's definitely one of my favorite games this year, but I don't feel like I'm in I'm in in love with it as much as everybody else is. Like something mm. like I don't know, if I look at like Horizon or Breath of the Wild, those are open world games that clicked with me. Pretty quickly. Um, And this one, this one takes a little while. Yeah. so Interesting because Breath of the
4: Wild, like they kind of just throw you out into the world and you can kind of do your own thing. Whereas I actually felt more directed in Odyssey.
3: I think that like Breath of the Wild is ultimately a much more minimalist game. And Mm -hmm. so you're like, I don't really know where to go, but there's not, so many options for you know. This try. is not a minimalist game. No, yeah. not at all.
1: <laughs> this is that or
5: it feels like there's no direction given, but yeah. also here's a million different activities that you can do right yeah, now. Yeah, this like, is a Ubisoft uh, ass open good world good. game oh, where yeah. there's just shit everywhere, and you're yeah. like, where do I go? How do I get this? Like, what there is, go? but
4: you can ignore all of it.
5: You can. It's true. If you
4: want, but which is kind of what yeah. i yeah. And a lot of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm maybe it's like
4: 45
1: hours in. I think you can ignore a lot of it, but there is a lot rewarding on the outskirts of it, and especially one of the systems that you get a little. It's crazy that the game keeps introducing a lot of big things later in the game. Yeah. Uh, Some of it has really changed the way I focus on that world, which I think has been really interesting, but I don't want to spoil that for. Yeah.
5: I I, I put 80 hours into it um, and finished up, like, there's three, like, kind of main storyline things, and I finally finished those up, and I played 80 hours of that game in two weeks, and (laughs) my brain just kind of went away after that. Uh, But yeah, I feel like I'm kind of on the same pace as you, Brian, where it's like. I really like it. It'll probably be one of my favorite games this year, but, like, I think there was, like, a lot of unnecessary bloat this time around where where I think Origins... Even though the storytelling with Origins... We talked about this uh, a couple of beyonds ago. Of, like... uh, I think the story was weird, like weird at the beginning, but I think the game experience was a little more tighter. There wasn't a lot of uh, as much unnecessary things to do.
3: I appreciate how much you can horse everything in this game. Yeah, because oh, yeah. you can just really horse
5: all over everything.
3: <laughs> yeah, like you can walk walk into town and somehow horse on top of a tent and just horse into the. Oh scene. my horse! You thing. can okay, horse like, some enemies I, too. I
4: like that everyone really dramatically overreacts. Like I'm just going about my business. <laughs> so people are like, Whoa! <laughs> yeah, like I wasn't even close to you. Thank you very. Much like, come on, with your re- overreaction. Weirdly, if over you hit here. them all,
1: they do the very like cliched New Yorker I'm walking here, they yeah. all do that. and They have like a great Greek accent, it's, there's,
4: yeah. there's
1: that just big, like everyone like, in the Eastern game. European
3: <laughs> U- Ubisoft guy voice who's always like, What are you doing? I'm
4: trying to live.
3: <laughs> The I <laughs> sell broken pots for a living. Get your freaking horse out of here!
1: Yeah, it's that for guy. censoring yourself it's, in the it's, accent. It's, I appreciate. I, it. I had to at least want this <laughs> whole yeah, episode. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in addition to Assassins, I've also been playing. They're both out this week. Uh, Lego DC Super Villains, which if you've played a Lego game, this is it's also a Lego. Game. It's a Lego game. Uh, it still has a really great voice cast, like Mark Hamill's back as the Joker, obviously. Tara Strong is doing Harley Quinn, uh, and just like the full voice cast that I've seen already. I'm maybe like two hours in. They just keep throwing characters at you. It's a very fun setup for the game. It's a Essentially, like the Justice League is taken away by this other world's Justice League, but they're not mm-hmm. good people, uh, and so it. It's a Lego game. If you played them, they're great for co-op. They're great for people who have a collectathon itch. Uh, nothing mind-blowing with it, but it's been a really satisfying one so far. Uh, and also, just hearing Mark Hamill the Joker is consistently wonderful. How's now, the I humor? I can't wait to start this. It's really, it's been really funny so far. Uh, it is that sort of like cheesy Telta or uh, what? Are, too
4: soon. Uh, yeah, TT. Travelers T
1: Thank you. Wow. Yeah, it's been too soon. Um, <laughs> they have that classic tone that they've nailed with all the Lego games so far, but especially with this particular voice cast, I feel like they're nailing even the cheesiest of jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, they've had this in a couple of the past games, but you get to essentially create your own villain, which ah. is really fun. Wow, Yeah, I'm trying. Uh, what's really <laughs> great is, oh, uh, you pick your powers. Uh, you also it weirdly makes so much more sense in the world of a Lego game, because in a Lego game you were destroying everything, and so it makes sense as a villain that you're actually destroying everything to get the stuff. Right. So it kind of makes more sense in the world, not that the ludonarrative dissonance of Lego games is a big yeah. Time. I mean, I that's the, that's what
5: kept oh, me what from it, them for exactly. years.
1: Well, don't worry, Barrett, now you this can This one's play. for you. Awesome. Yeah? Uh, wouldn't black destroy ops. his
5: own <laughs> What? Uh, how's the overworld in this one? Because I felt like the recent uh, Marvel game yeah. that came out, I feel like it was almost too much.
1: Yeah, this one's a little disconcerting, if only for the fact that the Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2, it felt there was an openness to it. There was like an open air to it It was very bright and you could see like the distinct neighborhoods. Right. Uh, here you have sort of Gotham and metropolis, uh, combined with each other. You take just like a nice little rail car, ah. the one, but because you don't inherently know those cities as well, or those locations aren't as like clearly defined. I was like, am I in a place that's important or not? Like I, <laughs> there's the daily planet, I guess, but I'm not sure if I know this area or not. So getting a little more used to like the overworld itself, I'm not like, Oh my God, I know this world and can't wait to explore it. But gotcha. it's been, it's been good so far. Cool. Uh, Uh, The other game I was playing over the weekend was Starlink Battle for Atlas. Uh, which is another Ubisoft game. It's sort of Ubisoft light. It's definitely clearly marketed towards kids. It's sort of a spacefaring game where your ship can go from outer space to also on land. Mm. It essentially has that like no man's sky ability to go from one to the other. Right. Uh, But it's very much like Ubisoft open world game. You get to a planet, you have X many towers to find or like these many enemy types to find, this many places to open things like that.
5: I'm going to hit you with a hard hitting question here. Is this game worth playing without having Star Fox in it?
1: I don't If you only have a PS4... Not at this time of year. If this game came out in like July and there wasn't really much going on, I'd be like, "Yeah, this is a really fun, like, entertaining enough mm-hmm. thing." But I think, especially the Star Fox hook to it on the Nintendo Switch version. If you have a Switch, there's no reason not to get the Switch version. And also, if you don't care about the physical ship, so this game has that Toys to Life aspect to it. If you yeah. don't care about having a physical ship with you to play, which uh, you have that ship on your controller and that's the ship you control, you can buy the digital deluxe version of this game, and it comes with like all of the pilots, all the ships, or like a, you can buy a large portion of them. Okay. For the same price as buying the physical version, cool. so that really enhances that version of the game. And also, this came out last week, but Merc the Ninja remastered is available. If you have not played that game, play that damn game. I it's love so that good. game. I yeah, really. It's fantastic. Yeah.
4: What? Get out, <laughs> Barrett.
1: <laughs> why do we let you on the show? I don't Fairly. know. <laughs> uh, so yeah. just love shooters. <laughs> Classic shooter, shot, Barrett. Right? Yeah. Do, do I get to shoot guns in this you game? Want
4: to play Halo? We'll go on unlocked. How dare you mention
1: that name here? Who are you, Brandon Tyrell? Uh, In addition to what's been out this week, we have some new things. Uh, So we're gonna show you something pretty cool right now. Play the tape. We have a new logo. You may notice it in the background if you're listening to the audio version of the show. That may have been a weird pause for you. You can't see anything (laughs) new, Uh, but yeah, you can notice. Obviously, we have on the monitors in the studio here. If you're listening to the audio version, please check it out. We have a new version of the Beyond logo. Uh, You'll be seeing it appearing with the show going forward. And we talked a lot about this behind the scenes of like, why do a logo change? Obviously, people know this logo with the show for a very long time. Right. And a lot of the discussion came from the idea that we don't want to dishonor the legacy of the show that's come before it. But I think that logo itself is also very synonymous with the legacy of the show. Yeah. Right. And we want to be able to have that that logo and that legacy of the show exist together. Obviously, we're trying to do some new things, trying to experiment with the show a little bit, and we want the logo to reflect the new show itself.
5: Yeah. It's a sign it's of the times, you know? Like, we officially introduced you as the official host last week, and now we're doing some uh, some logo changes and whatnot, and then next week, we'll, um, we'll make Brian grow hair. And that, you know.
1: Good luck. <laughs> the show is really changing. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so we have a new uh, look around here. Again, as we said last week with some of these changes, we're not trying to dramatically change the show that you know and love. We're not trying to completely reinvent It's the about wheel.
3: Xbox now.
1: Yes. yes. <laughs> 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 it's about cereal. It's just a breakfast show now.
4: <laughs> I would not mind that. I would love yeah, that. Actually, that'd be <laughs> great. I have a lot to say about cereal. Same here. We
1: can Big do time. breakfast beyond. Beyond Breakfast. Ooh, I like Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. yeah. I
3: That's guess a, if you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, I guess we you could just imagine a new logo. Yeah, just <laughs> pretend
1: it is whatever you want. Maybe it doesn't even say Beyond.
3: And we'll, and we'll it's update like those like, coexist his, bumper stickers. But, yeah. It's um, actually just
4: Bed Bath now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when we're not podcasting on your favorite show Bed Bath, Barrett, where can people find you?
5: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sad Boy Barrett.
1: <sighs> you sad boy. Tina, where can people find you? Uh, Tina Meanie. And Brian, where can people find you?
3: At Agent Bizzle.
1: And I am at J.M. Dornbush. As always, a reminder, Beyond has changed our schedule a little bit, so if you're used to hearing the show on a certain day, Beyond is live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.ign.com. That's where you can see new episodes. They're there for 24 hours before they're anywhere else. You can expect to find them on YouTube and everywhere else. Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific at youtube.com slash IGM Beyond and whatever podcast services you're used to listening to. Yeah. Uh, But that has been Beyond, episode 563. Thank you all so much for joining me and Beyond. 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 Beyond.